You are listening to the Fellowship Church of Burbank Weekly Sermon Podcast. You can find more information about the church as well as hear more messages from Pastor Robbie Pitt at www.fellowshipchurchofburbank.com. Dude, I love that intro. It's so like intense. It's like, oh, you know, it's just like this is tense music and you're like, oh, it's going to be so big. And I feel like when I walk out, there should be like this huge cloud of smoke and I'm like, here I am to speak now. And I don't know. I just I had this weird, weird picture. I was like, that's so cool. Uh, yeah, like Robbie said, my name is Steve. Um, I'm a pastor. I'm one of the co-pastors with Anthology. Um, the other pastor, DJ, uh, you might have heard him speak a couple weeks ago. Uh, he spoke um, uh, on a similar parable or different parable. But uh, yeah, I'm a pastor at Anthology Church. And um, so yeah, I just kind of want to introduce just a little bit of who I am. Um, I'm actually from Burbank. Um, I grew up here. I um, went to Thomas Jefferson Elementary, went to John Muir Middle School, and then the Burbank High. And so I'm a Burbank product of the Burbank Unified School District and stuff. So, yeah, and then I went to college at Cal Poly Pomona, um, and, that, and there where I got my degree in philosophy. Um, I also was involved with a Christian group there called Crew, or formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, and that's where I met DJ. Uh, we became really good friends. Um, through that, um, that Christian group, that ministry, and I also met my wife, Andrea. Um, she's sitting in the back. Uh, and we, um, so that's where uh, we've met. Um, and so afterwards, I graduated. I uh, uh, got, yeah, so I got a junior philosophy. I joined staff with, with Crew, um, was with them for about six years. And so uh, the main portion for the past five years, um, we were, my wife and I were on staff at, uh, with Crew at the University of Arizona. Uh, with DJ Alicia, and so it's really cool. Um, God has just brought us through this crazy journey uh, from college all the way up until now, um, and uh, it's it's great that I can be um, I can be working uh, with my best friend um, and do you know live uh, not just work but live life together where we um, are, are growing each other and not just personally but spiritually as well. Um, and it's cool that we I get to say this is my job and I get to be a part of that. Um, and so it's really fun to, to start up this church and, um, in Studio City. And also, um, I'm really thankful. We are, we're really thankful for Fellowship Church of Burbank and partnering uh, with this church uh, because uh, you guys have been a great resource, um, a great support, um, a great just everything. And um, like Robbie said, I also get opportunities to, to play here uh, with Nate, which is awesome because he's an awesome guitar player and worship leader. And I feel like I learned tons of things from him. Um, and also from Robbie as well, just to sit down and pick his brain um, about church planning and everything. It's just so fun. It's fun to, to say this is my job and be a part of something big here. And um, I, love, I love Los Angeles. I love Burbank. Um, I love that I, I've, I get to come back here and, and start up a church here. Um, and so, yeah, this is a little bit um, of my story and what brought me here. Um, and so, yeah, we're in a series called Parables. And... Um, it's, it's cool that uh, Jesus and how a, a large part of Jesus' ministry and how he spoke to people uh, was through parables. And he, he used them specifically um, to, to bring out a specific point, to really draw out something deeper uh, for, for his listeners and for uh, the people he was, he was talking to. Um, and so uh, story was, was Jesus' way of communicating truth um, to people in his time. And it's cool, again, being here in L.A., being in the entertainment capital of the world, 
being that there's movies and television um, and all that going on. Uh, we're in the storytelling capital um, of the world. We're in uh, the entertainment capital. And so um, people here are storytellers, um, and they really shape our culture, and they really shape um, what our culture looks like. And so it's cool that to see Jesus um, really is uh, the, the best storyteller um, of all time and to get to share that with people. And so I get really pumped <laughs> to get to share this parable. I get really excited. Um, so speaking of stories, I want to share one story uh, with you. I've been sharing, you're going to hear a lot of stories, but this one is from a guy that, uh, his, name, his name is David Powelson, and he wrote this book. But uh, the story kind of illustrates where I'm going to be going um, uh, later. Um, but it starts off with, he, he's at home, and he's, uh, he hears all this yelling going on outside. And there's all this screaming, and, um, and he's like, what, what's going on? And so he goes to the window, and he looks outside, and he sees this man just pacing, like, back and forth really, really quickly, just around the neighborhood. And he's, he's looking up in the sky, and he starts screaming. He's screaming out, okay, 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 okay. And he's like, whoa. Like, he's just going all, all over the neighborhood, okay, okay. And he's just pacing, and he's smoking, and he just looks all raggedy and dirty. And, and David's like who is this guy? He's like totally um, freaked out. He's totally like, what in the world is this guy doing? And, and, and out of fear um, and out of concern, like I don't want this guy roaming our neighborhood um, for the safety of um, the people who live here. Um, so he goes and ends up calling the police and tells them what's going on. And so uh, a couple minutes later, maybe like five or ten minutes later, the police car comes by, uh, drives up to this man, um, the, pl- the police rolls down his window and says, hey, can I help you, buddy? And the man runs up and he goes, oh, I'm so glad that you are here. Um, I am new to this neighborhood. Um, I just moved here and um, I just lost my puppy. Um, his name is Jose. <clears throat> and uh, I'm really scared right now and I have no, he, I, I'm scared he's going to be lost. I don't know where he's going to be. Um, and so can you help me find him? And he says, yeah. I'll help you find him, you know, and rolls up his window, and they, they go searching, and here's David, um, here's his whole conversation um, in the safety of his window, um, and here's this going on, and he goes, oh, wow, what a fool, I'm such a fool, um, I can't believe I did that, instead of showing compassion and mercy to this man who's looking for his dog, Jose, not okay, that's a weird name for a puppy, right, okay, like, okay, okay, never mind, um, yeah, so just to, to see that, I mean, he's like, I, you know, uh, I could have shown him mercy, and, but he didn't have all of his, his facts right, what was going on, and, but he, he saw what was happening. I mean, all, all of it was going on, but um, for some reason, his perspective was different. But if he had a, a different perspective, um, the right one, uh, his whole um, approach to, to this man would have been totally different. He would have had mercy. Uh, he would have had compassion. And I totally relate with that. Um, there's a guy in, in, in our apartment complex. We live um, in Studio City, and out front, he's, um, he's definitely a homeless guy, and um, he's, he's, uh, I think he's schizophrenic, uh, but he has, like a, he has a sleeping bag with him all the time, and he just walks around, and he, he talks to himself, and sometimes he'll, he'll get to the ground, he'll start doing this, and starts like praying, you know, and it's, it's really odd, and it's, it's kind of a scary scene, and sometimes... If I'm walking with my wife or I'm walking my dog, I'm scared like this person's going to hurt, hurt them. Um, and, um, and so I relate with that. You know, I, 
my, my initial reaction isn't, oh, I want to I wanna show mercy to this person. I want to show compassion. Instead, it's, it's I'm scared. I don't want to have anything to do with this person, just like David. And I think, um, in a lot of ways, we all relate with that, you know? Um, we tend to view things um, differently. We're, we're conditioned um, to show mercy to the people we want to show mercy to. Um, it's just, it's normal. It's, it's natural for us to do that. But we know, I mean, even as we talk about it, it, it feels like, oh, no, that, that's not right. But, but it's normal, and that's, and that's what goes on in our own hearts. We, we tend to choose who we want to show mercy to and love um, based on our own righteousness. And, and Jesus, in this story, um, as we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, um, I like to call it this, the Merciful Samaritan, um, he, he addresses this problem uh, with his lawyer who confronts him. And so we're going to look at this story um, and how Jesus approaches and addresses um, this lawyer and how he, he has little understanding of mercy um, and love, and, and so do I. And so I'm just going to pray really quick, and we're just going to jump right in. Jesus, I thank you for how you teach, how you teach us. Um, Lord, you um, are incredibly wise um, and infinitely uh, brilliant in, in how you, you teach us through your word and how you reveal it to us. Um, I thank you for stories like these that we can look to. And God, I, um, I pray that through your spirit you would teach us and guide us, and that you would Use me to, to share what you've taught me through, um, through this story. And I, I pray that uh, you're the one, um, will be the one who changes our hearts um, today. In the name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to kind of look at, look at this passage um, in kind of like scenes, like scenes in a movie. Um, some people, when you go to a movie, they like to know what hap- the whole thing that happens. Uh, I'm not like that. That's, that's weird. You know, <laughs> you kind of just want to see, see how it goes as it unfolds, you know, uh, from the beginning, the setting, and everything that goes on. And so we're going to kind of look at this story in a similar way, um, in kind of chunks. And so we're going to start um, in verse 25. It's Luke 10, starting in verse 25, and we're going to read to 29. And then here's what it says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him um, to... Okay, I'll start over. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? All right, so here's, here's this scene. Um, a lawyer goes and confronts Jesus and, and approaches him. And so we uh, this is kind of in the middle of Jesus' ministry. He's been doing a lot of miracles. He's been healing. He's been um, gathering people to follow him. Um, he actually sent out 72 followers um, previously before this um, uh, encounter. And so this is right in the middle of um, Jesus' ministry um, and what was going on. And so uh, you read here, it says a lawyer. And so typically today, when you think of a lawyer, you think of someone who uh, represents you in a courtroom, right? Someone who's like maybe a defendant or a prosecutor and defends you in a courtroom. That's usually what we think of a lawyer. Um, my wife and I, we like to watch um, Law and Order SVU um, a couple of times, and so uh, that's what I think of when I see a lawyer. But here, in this context, um, and, th- and in this time with Jesus, um, a lawyer is actually someone who's an expert in the Mosaic Old Testament law, someone who's able to interpret, to understand, um, and also to teach it to the, to the people, to the Jewish people at that time. And so he's someone who is probably um, what we would see here as someone who's a Pharisee, 
um, or a Sadducee. Those are religious leaders um, who knew the Old Testament laws um, from cover to cover, word for word. I mean, just knew it. And not only just knew it, but also taught it. And so these were um, religious experts. And so this lawyer is probably a Pharisee or a Sadducee, but this lawyer is a religious expert. And here you, Luke really goes into and reveals to us uh, the intention of why um, this lawyer is approaching Jesus. Um, he says he wants to put him to the test. He's not, he's not genuinely asking him the question, how do I inherit eternal life? I really want to know. I want to know this answer. He doesn't, he's not really seeking for a genuine answer. Um, he's seeking to make Jesus look dumb. He's seeking to, to make him look incredibly stupid. He's setting up a trap for Jesus. Um, and the reason is, uh, and you see here, is that he wants to put him to the test. Um, he is, and what's, what's cool and amazing about Jesus, I say cool a lot, I'm, I'm hipster, um, is, that, uh, <clears throat> is that Jesus knows exactly what is going on in this whole situation. He knows his intention. He's not surprised in any way about what this lawyer is doing. He's not like, oh, what? You blindsided me. He's, he's not, he has, he's totally um, in control and totally, totally knows what's going on and what the lawyer is trying to do. And so um, Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, um, could have, you know, what's crazy, he, he responds with a question, which is really interesting because he's, that's a pretty straightforward question. If someone asked me how to you inherit eternal life, I go, well, believe in Jesus. I mean, Jesus could have been like, look at me, I'm, I'm the guy, you know? He, he could have been very straightforward, but he, he wasn't. Um, he, he, he responded with a question, and I think he does that um, because he wants, he wants to go deeper with this lawyer, um, and he knows that he's the expert, so he, he, brings a, he brings the question back to him and says, well, how do you understand it? You're the expert, right? You're the one who is this religious teacher. You call me teacher, but you're, you're a teacher too, so what do you know? And so what does he do? What does the lawyer do? He doesn't go, uh, well, what do you think? He, he proudly, uh, eagerly, you know, I'm, I'm adding some stuff in here, you know, answers it. You know, he's, he, he quotes, he quotes uh, the commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer's answer is correct. Um, he's quoting um, specifically Deuteronomy um, 6, 5, and Leviticus 19, 18. Um, and it's, it's kind of known as the greatest commandment. And the, the lawyer's answer is right. He's right. But he's, he's missing the point. Because if you really looked at why, what really looked at in more detail, looked at deeper, like what does it really mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your emotion, every feeling that you have, sadness, happiness, joy, frustration, everything. You're supposed to love God with that. When you think about loving him with all your mind, every thought that you have, every single thought that you have, you're supposed to love God with that. With all your strength, every ability that you've been given, everything that you can do and you are able to do, you're supposed to love God with that. With all your soul, your inward being, who you are on the inside, you need to love God with all of that. It's your whole self. It's, It's all of it. It's everything. And you're supposed to love God. And, and love is not just this feely, like, oh, here's some flowers. I love you. Like, thank you. No, it's a commitment. It's dedication. It's, it's seeing it through to the end. That's, that is love. That is the commitment 
that is the thing that Jesus is like, you have to, this, this fullness of everything that you are needs to be true about you. And the Lord just says it because he, he knows it, but he's totally missing the point. And, and not only that, but he talks about loving your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself is caring for them, being faithful to them, being committed to them, um, helping them. And for the lawyer, he could have said, oh, you're totally right, Jesus. I need to do that. I need to, you're right. I need to be loving you with, with all of myself. He doesn't do that, right? What does he do? You read next, he says, and he justifies himself. He continues on in his self-righteousness and his pride. He's like, I don't want to be wrong here. You're trying to make me look dumb here, Jesus. I'm going to throw it back at you. This is what I'm going to say. Who is my neighbor? Like, his heart is still hard. He is still prideful in this moment. And he can't, he won't change. He's like, well, who is my neighbor? And, um, and Jesus, again, <laughs> he could have been, nope, I, he could have been straightforward, tell him what, exactly what he needed to hear. But Jesus, what does he do? He responds with a story. Um, kind of interesting, right? It's like, that's not usually how we kind of think. Of, like, usually when you ask a question, you know, how do I get to um, the five freeway? You will, you'll tell me, you know, get down to all of, you know. Okay, I'm from here. I don't know how to get to the five freeway anymore. <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, yeah, so, you know, you just get clear directions on how to get there, right? It's very clear, and that's usually how we understand answers, you know, but here, Jesus doesn't go and tells them straight out, this is what you need to know. He, he goes through a story. It's super interesting, and we've been seeing this throughout this series. It's, it's through all these parables. He, Jesus goes really into it. He gets deeper and deeper into people's hearts, and so here's the story, and I love this story. Um, here he goes, starting in verse 30, and Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion." He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him, he set him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So here's this story. Um, if you grew up in church or if you're a follower of Christ, you're probably pretty familiar with the story. Um, even if you haven't, you, you've probably, probably heard the term the Good Samaritan. Um, it's used pretty, pretty widely in our um, today. Um, but we're going to kind of unpack this, this story a bit some more, too, because Jesus wants us to understand. He wants, his, he wants his Lord to really understand what's going on in this story. And so he starts off in saying, a man. Now, he doesn't give a pers- this person a name or anything, not like the Levite or the priest or the Samaritan. There were, those were clear, like, who these people were. This person was kind of generic. It's like, oh, a man. But because of his audience and who he's talking to, um, because the lawyer is Jewish and people, probably the people around him were Jewish, uh, you could assume that this man was a Jewish man. And the road that he was going on uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho was actually um, was about a 19-mile road um, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it wasn't like a road like you just hop on, you know, the five freeway and you just go to where you got to go. Um, it was, it was, and it wasn't the smooth paved road where, you, you know, and it's easy to travel. Uh, it was very difficult to travel. It was rocky. Um, it was kind of more like a hike, you know, if you guys ever like hiking, um, or have you been to any of the hikes here in Los Angeles, 
uh, Runyon Park, I recommend. It's really fun. Um, but yeah, it's one of those um, hikes that uh, it's, it's, it's not just a simple walk. You know, it wasn't like this simple travel. It was very, very rocky. And the, and the road descended um, as you went along. It went, descended about 3,000 miles. And so it was, it was, it was a dangerous road. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, not only that, but there were, it, it made it really easy for robbers uh, to ambush you because there were places where they could hide and just surprise you and take everything that you had. And so that's what exactly what happened in this story with this Jewish man. He was walking to go to, to, go to Jerusalem, uh, no, go to, go to Jericho, and this man was ambushed by robbers, and he was stripped. Um, he wasn't just stripped of, just when you think about it, of his clothes, but all of his possessions, um, everything. If he had food, they took that. If he had um, money, they took that. They took everything and his clothes. So he was stripped. He was naked. Not only was he naked, but he was beaten. He was beat up, uh, and he was bloody, and he was left half dead on, on the side of the road. I mean, it's just this gory, brutal picture. You know, this man was completely vulnerable, just laying there on this road. I mean, he, Jesus was very descriptive. He's like, you have to understand, this man was, was just brutally attacked, um, and so you, 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 you would see that. I mean, we, when, we, when we hear um, crimes in the news and we hear about someone getting shot or being, um, um, being hurt or anything, we, our hearts go, oh my gosh, that's, that's so wrong. Um, and we look at this picture and go, that is so wrong. That should, what did he do? What, what's going on? That is so wrong. And, and Jesus wanted us to understand that picture. And so what happens next? Uh, we see a priest come by. A priest in that time uh, was a descendant directly from Aaron. Aaron was a descendant from Levi. Levi was a descendant of Jacob. Jacob changed his name to Israel. They had, he had 12 children, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of them was Levi. Um, and when Israel settled in the land of Canaan, um, the 11 tribes were given land except for Levi. Um, Levi the Levites were the priests of the people um, at that time. And so their whole purpose of, of, uh, of being um, a part of Israel uh, was to serve and care for the people. So they, they handled all the rituals. If anyone was sick or had like leprosy or something, we don't hear about leprosy anymore, but anyone was sick, they would take him to a priest. If anyone needed cleansing of anything, they would take him to a priest. Um, the priests were the ones that performed the rituals and cared for the people of Israel. So it's really clear that this, this priest should have done something, right? He should have went and, and helped this man. But what does he do? He sees the man. He sees this picture of this man lying on the road. And what does he do? He passes on by. doesn't really indicate why. But you know, just from his title and who he is, you know he should have. He should have helped. You know, but he didn't. And so what happens next? A Levite comes in. A Levite um, was also a priest, but weren't directly descended from Aaron, but they assisted um, the priests in their rituals. And so he too were, was part of um, caring for the people of Israel. But what does he do? He sees him and passes on by. And these are people that should have helped him. They're, they're fellow Jews. They're priests. They, they're supposed to care for the people of Israel, but they didn't. And so Jesus enters a third character. 
And who does he say he is? It's Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan is, uh, is someone who is actually half Jewish and half non-Jewish, or they call Gentile. Um, those were people that back when Israel was disobedient with God, God sent in outside countries to invade Israel, like Babylon and Persia. And so they were being dispersed over different parts of the known world at that time. And so they were coming into uh, relationships with pe- Jews were coming into relationships with people who are non-Jews. And so non-Jews were worshiping other gods, um, other, if you will, pagan gods that were different than their god. And so God directly commanded them and said, do not, uh, in a sense, do not um, breed or, you know, have children with these non-Jews. Uh, because if you do that, you and your descendants will worship other gods. And so he, God directly commands them not to do that. And so, but Israel um, does. And they have, um, you know, they have descendants from them. And so the Samaritans were uh, an out, you know, were the descendants of of Israel's disobedience. And because they weren't pure Jew, they weren't pure Israeli, um, the, the Jewish, Jewish people hated them. They despised them. They didn't they want to do anything with them. They were like, oh, you're a Samaritan? Oh, that's, that's disgusting. And they would avoid them at any cost. And so um, for Jesus to bring up this uh, Samaritan was absolutely shocking. This, law, this lawyer is shocked. Like, why would you ever bring up this guy? Um, but he, Jesus does it. And why? What do you read about, what do you see what the Samaritan does? The Samaritan who's supposed to be hating Jews, what does he do? He sees the man, and he has mercy. And what mercy, and you see three ways of mercy is being displayed here. Mercy is being displayed through compassion. He first feels for um, this Jew, he has compassion on him. And, he, and, what, and what that compassion does, it leads to the second thing where he acts, where he goes and takes care of this man. He goes to him, cares for him, brings his bandages and oil and wine, which is like modern day, first, like a first aid kit, where the wine you know, cleanses, cleanses the body and the oil kind of um, heals the wounds. And so he cares for this, for this man. And not only that, he puts him on his animal, which is probably a donkey or a camel at that time, um, and the animal carries him, and what he's doing, he's probably pulling this animal along. So he's walking. He's not walking, like, from here to, like, the Burbank Mall, which is, like, like a half a mile. He's walking miles, I mean, on foot, on dangerous terrain, where there's probably still robbers hiding out that's going to attack him, but he still does it anyway um, for this man, this Jew. He's supposed to hate. It's like, what's going on in this picture? And not only that, he takes him to the inn, when he gets to the place where he's supposed to take him to the inn, cares for him longer. And not only that, he goes even beyond and, and he sacrifices, which is the third thing. He sacrifices for this person. He gives up his resources. Two denarii is what he said. That's which is, which is equivalent to two days' wage and pays for his uh, caring, not just for his room, but for his caring, that the innkeeper would care for um, this man. And whatever more he spends, he, he will pay him back. I mean, that is above and beyond what anyone should do, but he does it, and this Samaritan does it for this Jew who he supposedly hates. And so there, there's, there's this picture that Jesus paints uh, for this lawyer, and he brings the question back to the lawyer, and he says, um, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? 
And you're kind of wondering, like, if you were the lawyer, what would you say? You know, what, what should you say? You know, if it was me, I would be like, the Samaritan, he was totally merciful. He was totally gracious. That, he was so loving and compassionate. Man, that's, that's crazy, Jesus, that you would share that with me. Uh, but what does the, how does the lawyer respond? What does he say? It's one line. He said, the one who showed him mercy. That's it. I, do, you, do you notice here that he, it says the one? He could not have um, the courage, I don't know what it is, to say the Samaritan. He was so disgusted with Samaritans that he couldn't even say the Samaritan. He said the one. He couldn't name him by name. He was still selfish and prideful and self-righteous in his heart that he wouldn't, he still was not changed by what Jesus was sharing. And he still called this man the one. He wouldn't address him as a Samaritan. But you know what? His answer was right. Right? I mean, it was a Samaritan who showed him mercy. But even if he had the right answer, even though he had the right answer, he totally was missing the point. You know, and Jesus could have been like, you're missing it. You're not getting it. Know what he does? He says, you go, be like the Samaritan that you hate so much and do the same thing in this story. I mean, Jesus just sticks it to him. I love Jesus, man. And when he, when he talks to people, he is, he is straight up. And it's, it's awesome. And he, doesn't, he does it in such a way that is so beautiful and so incredible and so rich. It gets right into your heart and you go, whoa, that's, that's unreal. That's crazy. You know, and um, when you look in this story, you know, this is a story, and specifically, Jesus is addressing the lawyer. But Luke, um, the point of the story is, is, is for the readers to see uh, what really was going on. Luke wanted us, wanted his people, wanted his readers, maybe not us specifically, but readers, to understand the point of the story. You know, and, and Jesus, if, um, when you look at it, Jesus, um, if, Jesus were, if you were to sum up Jesus' response in this story of the Samaritan, of who is, who is my neighbor? Um, really, it's anyone who's in need. It doesn't matter. There's no condition. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where this person comes from, what uh, social class, how much money this person makes, uh, what race he is, what religion he is, um, what his beliefs are. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It, there's no condition to who we show mercy to. Uh, Jesus goes, you need to show mercy to people and be unconditional. You need to be like the Samaritan who had compassion on the broken, who, which led to action, which cared for the people, um, which he sacrificed. And that Jesus says, we need to be, you, we all need to be like the merciful Samaritan. We need to show mercy like that, where we love people unconditionally. It doesn't matter. There's, it doesn't matter. When, the moment you have, I go, oh, I don't know if I could help that person. He's, uh, he can't, <coughs> He kind of looks crazy. I, I think I'm just going to not help that person. If you see a homeless guy, I'm not going to help him. He, what if he hurts me or something? It, it isn't a question. It's Jesus like, you need to help that person. And there's no condition. It, it, it could mean helping the poor. It could mean helping someone um, who's fighting cancer. It could mean help someone who is uh, your neighbor that wants to plant flowers in their front yard. It, there's, there's no condition. 
Jesus didn't say, oh, like, help this person if. No, he doesn't do that. He says, help anyone in need. And so there's this call for all of us to live that out. Uh, Here's the problem. We can't. You know, even as I'm talking about it, I can't do it. My heart is way too much uh, about myself. I am like the lawyer. If, if you think, and you look at the story and say, I'm supposed to be like the Samaritan. You can't be the Samaritan. It's too hard. We'll fail. We don't always, I mean, we, we fail at showing mercy 24-7. It is impossible. But because our problem is not, we're not the Samaritan. We're the, we're the priest. We're like the Levite. We're like the lawyer. We're self-righteous in our hearts. We have pride. We have selfishness. And so all those shape um, uh, how we view the world and how we view people and how we care for people. Um, And sometimes when we think something could be good, um, because of our selfishness, it turns out to be something evil. Um, A couple weeks ago, uh, our friend's daughter, DJ and Alicia, have a daughter named Piper. And occasionally I get the privilege to watch her um, when they go out and run errands and stuff. So I took her to the park, and she made a new friend. Uh, She's about four, so she's... The little girl, super cute. If you've seen her, she's awesome. Uh, runs around, tons of energy. Uh, but so I took her to the I took her to the park, and um, she made this new friend named Charlie. And so they were playing with each other the whole day. And uh, Charlie had a nanny uh, with him, and so uh, we were just kind of talking and stuff. And uh, Charlie was so at one point, Piper was like, "Oh, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry." And I was like, "Oh, we'll just we'll just go home." And so Charlie was like, "Oh, I have food." And so he goes to his nanny, grabs some cookies, super cute, and just grabs these cookies, gives them to Piper. He, Piper's like, oh, I'm thirsty. And so uh, Charlie goes and, and he's like, oh, can, can you give her some of my water? And so he goes and gives, gives Piper this water. It's so cute. I'm like, this is, this is precious. And so um, Piper at the time had a scooter, and she loved that scooter, loves it. She's like, I can't leave home without it, you know? And so she, she has it with her, and... Charlie goes to her nanny, goes to his nanny, and says, "Can I, you know, do you think she'll let me use her scooter? Uh, I really want to, I really want to try it." And the nanny says, "Oh, you know, you can ask, but if she says no, then you have to be okay with the answer. You know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, she doesn't have to share." And so Charlie musters up the courage. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to ask her." And so he goes up to Piper, and he's and he's like, "Oh, can I, like in the sweetest voice, can I please borrow your scooter?" And Piper looks up at me. And then looks down, grabs her scooter, and rides off. <laughs> Did not want to share her scooter with his boy. <laughs> I'm like, really? He gave you cookies and walk. I mean, he shared with you this stuff. He did not want. And she's like, bye, peace out. I'm not going to share with you. And I'm like, what? Piper, that is so not okay. You can't do that. And. I'm like shocked. I'm like, oh, this is, this is a good teachable moment. I need to teach Piper to share. And this nanny comes in and says, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I don't think we need to teach people how to share. You know, because when, when you're growing up, I don't want to share my things. I'm, I'm an adult now. I don't have to share the things that I have. So why, te- why force them if they have to, why force kids at that age to share? And I was like, I was, I was like, what? Like, because it's the right thing to do. And I was so shocked by her response. And, but it was like, but that, when you think about it, that is all of us. 
right? I mean, there's things that we have that we own that we don't want to share and give to people. There's things that God has given us and offered to us freely that we don't want to give to people. Um, you know, we, we, we laugh at Piper, but we're, we're a lot like Piper um, in a lot of ways in our own hearts. Uh, we do what we want, and our selfishness really at the heart that is, that is why we sin. I mean, the Bible calls that sin. Um, sometimes we think of it as breaking God's law, uh, but a lot of it is, is, it really, it's more than that. It's taking things and just twisting things and morphing things, and really our hearts are so messed up and evil, and it roots in our selfishness and our pride, and it comes out in so many different ways, and we see that specifically here, and that's why we can't be merciful. Um, in and of ourselves, we can't do it. And because of that, you know, like I said, we're like the Levite and the priest in the story. Because of our sin and because of, our, of who we are, we're also like the man who is beaten and stripped and, and ambushed. Like, sin does that. Sin causes destruction. Sin causes hurt. Sin causes pain. And if you look at your life, you might have experienced that in some shape or form in your own lives. I know I have. You know, I've experienced loss in my life. I've, um, there's, been, there's been pain in my life, too. Um, it's because of sin. Sin does that. Sin causes destruction. We're, we are like the Levite and the priest, and we're also like the men. That's what sin does. It's, it is nasty, guys. It's disgusting, and it's, and it's wicked, and we need to understand that, that we are like that, and we need to be rescued from that. We cannot fix it on our own. Our culture and our world will tell us that you can do it. You have the ability within and of yourselves to fix your problem, and you can't. You cannot do it. You can't be merciful and loving to people in your sin fully. Like, you can't do it. Um, You'll just get tired, and you get frustrated. Um, But there is one who can, and there's one who did, and that's God. God did that for us, ultimately. He showed love and mercy to us incredibly. Um, And he showed that perfectly on the cross. He showed that perfectly with Jesus as he came down and as he, he suffered and he died, he showed incredible compassion towards you, the beaten one, by taking it upon himself. He did it for you. He showed incredible mercy. He showed incredible compassion. And it took, took him all the way to dying on the cross. That picture, God, Jesus, is the merciful Samaritan to us. We can't be it, but there's one who, who, who is, and that's Jesus. Jesus is a merciful, merciful Samaritan to us. He's the only one that can rescue us and change us. And, I mean, I know we're going into the season... Um, we are in a season of Lent, but going, moving towards Easter. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Um, it's to celebrate what Jesus has done at the cross. Because it, it takes a messed up person like me and makes me new because of what Jesus has done. It makes me someone who wasn't loving and merciful. And I'm still not, to be honest with you, at times. But Jesus, because of what he's done on the cross, reminds me of what he's done. And it allows me to be merciful and loving. It's only when we look to the cross, guys, it's only when we look to the gospel and look to Jesus and experience mercy and love in our own
hearts is when we humble ourselves and don't respond righteously, but respond humbly and say, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for being merciful to me. And so now I have, I have the ability to be merciful to others. That's the only way, guys. That's what I believe that can, that can change us. And that's believed what we as an anthology church want to be about. I know that's what Fellowship Church of Burbank wants to be about, is to be merciful to the people here in the city because the people here are radically changed by what Jesus has done um, in their lives. And that's the motivating power of what causes us to do that. And I pray that, that we would remember that this week. Um, as we go into our days, is that to love God with our whole self is, is impossible without the cross, and we need the cross in our lives, and really understand that. And so I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this beautiful picture that you painted for us here in this um, uh, story of the merciful Samaritan. I, I thank you that... Um, we don't have to um, live up to the standard all the time of being merciful. Lord, even if we desire to um, at times, Lord, we just can't without you. And that we thank you for the cross and everything that means to us and what you've done for us, Jesus, by dying and showing incredible compassion and mercy. And so as we enter into this time where we sing and worship, I pray that it would be a reasonable response, a response to you, um, for who you are and what you've done. We pray this in your name. Amen.